levels are good here. I'm Mary Wood for the San Francisco Ballet, and it's my pleasure to welcome you here to our Points of View program in the San Francisco War Memorial Opera House. This evening, which is February 1st, 2017, the conversation will involve members of the team who have helped to produce the world premiere of Optimistic Tragedy, created by resident choreographer Yuri Posikov. Before I introduce my companions, I want to um, encourage you to be aware of the many programs for exploring the world of ballet behind the scenes. Go to the website, which you all have done many times, and now you'll notice that it's a beautifully redesigned website, and you need to go to the tab that says Explore, and then Programs, and there we are. That's also where you'll find a link to the podcasts of lectures and discussions such as this one. Note especially a new offering, Ballet 201, which begins at the end of February and is a three-session course focusing on, this time, classical ballet. For those of you who might be newcomers to the Points of View programs, we and are encourage you to ask questions and to offer you that opportunity. At the conclusion of our discussion, we'll invite you to come to the standing microphone right here at the foot of the aisle and that way we can hear your question and incidentally it will be captured for the podcast which will be made of this discussion. Finally, patrons who are attending this program and not the performance are reminded that you will exit at the conclusion of our discussion to the right and return your POV ticket to the usher. So my companions this evening have collaborated with choreographer Yuri Posikov on many of his works over several years now. And I'm especially looking forward to hearing about just how his hugely theatrical, large-scale work and works uh, come together. Uh, on my far right, on your left, Anita Pachotti has been a member of the San Francisco Ballet since 1968, and if you're counting, I think there's an anniversary next year that'll be fairly significant. First as a dancer, so. she was renowned for dramatic interpretations, and then appointed as a principal character dancer by artistic director Helgi Thomason in 1987. We continue to enjoy her in performance, and this year I'm assured we will see her again as the Queen Mother in Swan Lake. Swan Lake would not be Swan Lake without Anita as the Queen Mother. Um, in Cinderella, you are also a queen, somebody's mother. Yes, the prince's mother. In Cinderella. Or and the wife of his father, we're not sure. <laughs> <laughs> and excitingly, in two other new works that are being done this season, you will be seen in Frankenstein, Yes, I play Madame Moritz. And in uh, work later in the season by Arthur Pita, the Salome. Yeah, that's right. So that, I'm looking forward to all of that. We <laughs> can you. look forward to all of that. Um, 
Since 1991, Anita has served as one of the company's ballet masters and has worked particularly closely with Yuri Posikov. <clears throat> and in the center piece, the, the centerpiece here, uh, Christopher Dennis wears two hats for our work here tonight. He is the San Francisco Ballet Production Director, and that is the senior staff member responsible for oversight of all aspects of what we see on the stage except the dancing. And his other hat, he is the lighting designer for the ballet Optimistic Tragedies. Prior to his appointment as the ballet's production director, he served as resident lighting designer and lighting coordinator at the National Ballet of Canada and as assistant resident lighting designer for the Metropolitan Opera. And his lighting designs are in the repertories of ballet and theater companies worldwide. So thank you, Anita and Chris, for being with us this evening and thank participating you. Very, in very welcome, Mary. Um, yet another discussion of yet another um, seems to be success. So congratulations to Yuri on that. Um, I thought we would start. Um, we we were, I would say, given a little bit of an assignment. The question is, how do production elements contribute to the overall look and feel of new ballets, and I would say, and any ballet? And wearing the first of those aforementioned hats, Chris, would you um, start us off, a, a general overview of the role of the company's production director? Uh. And, Wow, that's a big and, question. Yeah. That's and a loaded question. I, I know brief was tricky. Yeah, I know but. brief was tricky. Uh, I mean, ultimately, the role of a production director is to um, oversee uh, all the production elements uh, for the different ballets we do on stage, and in and in order to achieve that, is to work uh, collaboratively with the artistic director and uh, his team, and then to work with. Um, the administrative side, and also to work with uh, all the production craftspeople. Uh, we work with uh, backstage and downstairs, hair and makeup, wardrobe, and all the different uh, departments, lighting, sound, props, and carpentry, uh, scenic painters, and the scenic builders. Um, so there's a wide range of individuals and uh, people who help make up all of this and the production director is somebody who has the bird's eye view of all of that uh, and helps bring it to the stage. And I imagine that the person in your role has to manage calendars, budgets, schedules? Yeah, we manage budget, uh, calendars, uh, scheduling for the stage, um, expectations, uh, egos. Uh, I mean, the list just goes on of, of the different types of things that need to be managed uh, in a very uh, calm, timely manner uh, to get the production on stage. Mm -hmm. And with that, there's just a lot of, and you're collaborating with all the different individuals and groups of people who I mentioned before to kind of bring it all together in, uh, in a very uh, professional and calm manner. And when you work with Yuri, calm is not always the first word that comes to mind, <laughs> but that's just part of his uh, creative sensibility. <laughs> mm. um, I 
posed a little bit of a scenario to you a minute ago, and I wonder if we could revisit that. Um, it is maybe, oh, two years out, I don't know, you can tell us, a year or two years out, and the artistic director, Helgi Thomason, says, I'm planning my season, and I want a little of this and a little of that, and Yuri Posakov is going to do a new piece. What is your response? How, how are you asked to respond? Um, well, uh, you know, when Helgi puts together uh, his programming, uh, his instincts about what he wants to do are pretty much bang on. And then when he says that Yuri's going to produce a new work, um, the first thing that comes to mind is that it's going to be extremely theatrical. Uh, in terms of how he wants to present his, uh, his dance. And so knowing that it's gonna be theatrical, then it starts to open up the questions, uh, what, what will this ballet rep against? What other ballets will perform with Yuri's new work? And then we start to just figure out or anticipate the kinds of things that Yuri would potentially want to do and meet with him as well and just get a sense of the overall idea so that in our planning, we can figure out how that will impact uh, the rep in which Helgi decided that ballet would be performed in. And for you, that's a conversation times eight, because you have eight programs that you need to be balancing. Ab absolutely, absolutely. So um, there's a process where um, a lot of the ballets that uh, he'll pick uh, ones that I'm not familiar with, I will uh, communicate with different people in the organization, primarily the crew who've been here for quite some time, and can help me understand the different elements of the ballets that Helgi's chosen, so I can start to figure out with everyone, uh, how does that work when it goes together, and then point out any concerns or um, issues that uh, would be problematic or challenging in putting on a rep with the order in which uh, the ballets were chosen. I was trying to imagine um, a work that had, well, Swan Lake is in rotation with one of the, um, one of the mixed rep programs. And I was sort of trying to imagine what the challenges are to your crew. It's it's a big challenge, and you know you have a conversation with Helgi, and you let him know. But he just has a great deal of confidence in our ability to uh, to to make that work. And we kind of weigh the pros and cons, and we look at that more specifically. So when you do a full-length ballet like Swan Lake, and then you want to rotate it with three uh, individual ballets, uh, now that's four ballets that you're trying to do in rotation. Uh, it presents a lot of unique challenges, mm -hmm. uh, which some can be fun to try to figure out and some can truly be a little more painful. Um, and we, we just kind of get through it and we look at all the different scenarios and uh, I try to budget and anticipate a, a number of things in order to manage something of that nature. It's not the ideal situation, but sometimes we collectively make those choices mm -hmm. to help benefit the nature of uh, a number of things. <laughs> sure. Well, as um, all of this is teaser for the work that uh, Yuri produced this season, uh, how many of you have actually already seen it? Show of hands. Quite a few people. How many have not? More people. Okay. So this is... Um, 
I hope will enhance your uh, enjoyment of it. And also, those of you who've already seen it, maybe you can check us about your, what your response to it was. Anita, um, a, a two-sentence overview of your role as the ballet master, and then describe the piece so that we have a sense of um, Yuri's vision and then how all of this theatricality had to come into play. Yeah, the ballet master's role is to assist the choreographer and learn the ballet as he creates it as best you can uh, so that there's someone else who can take rehearsal when he's not here because he often, as, as he isn't here tonight, he, otherwise he'd probably be here with us, but he's already gone on to his next project. So that leaves me in charge of the ballet for the rest of this week to, to watch, to give corrections, um, hopefully not make replacements, but that is part of the job. Uh, so in the, in the studio, it's about listening all the time and watching Yuri and trying to really get the essence of what he wants and to help, I feel help, not, not literally translate, but help the dancers uh, understand it more thoroughly or in sometimes in different ways be, just because uh, I can describe things in another way. I can, I can help oftentimes with the dancer's understanding of the music because I have that, that training, that, that's my job, is to, to figure out what, what's the best way to, to learn this, to listen to it, to in many ways, oftentimes it means how to count it. And uh, so that feels like, for me personally, that's one of the parts I enjoy the most because I think I can sort of sort it out, help Yuri sort that part out. And he asks me for advice just as, a, as another pair of eyes. If something you know, looks smooth, does it look good, does it work, does the drama come across? So I've known him long enough that I feel uh, confident enough to give suggestions. I don't like to give many because as Chris said, Yuri pretty much knows what he wants. And, and that's wonderful, you know. This, uh, was such an interesting project because he came to me and said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I got the music and it's completely different from what I thought. And he was thinking of doing an abstract piece, just a, almost a tutu kind of ballet. And then he, the music arrived and he said, well, I, I can't. I, and, he, and it just came to him, yeah. you know, uh -huh. very quickly. And he must have called Alex within the day, yeah. you know, to, see, to get something going. But, he started choreographing it uh, right away. Sometimes it was challenging because he's actually a rather unpredictable person and um, he was not supposed to start in a certain week, a week when I wasn't here because I was staging his Firebird in uh, Atlanta for Gennady Nedvigan. So I came home and Yuri had choreographed two, pa two, two halves, two parts of a pot of dough, so I didn't even see it. So that, that was my particular challenge. <laughs> that happens a lot, because so, he, he got inspired, the dancers were available, and off, off they went into a room. And um, just backtracking a little bit, the music arrived. Um, this is not a conversation specifically about music and dance, but um, it happens that Yuri is lucky to be able to commission scores from composers. And in this case, that had been the arrangement, I take it. Oh, yes. Yuri had done a very successful full-length ballet in Russia using this composer. 
Ilya Demutsky. Yes. And he's very young. He's 31 years old, and he's been at it for some years already. Good grief. Really something. And Yuri loved that experience and invited him to do this one and is now in Russia working on the next full length with the same composer and the title is Nureyev. So that sounds pretty exciting. A full length ballet about Nureyev. Yes, but I don't know what. I don't know one. What, mm. Is it an aspect of his life? Is it an introspection? Is it a history? Well, you have no idea. But he's excited about it. I know that. Okay, so he gets the music from Demutsky, and he decides that he's not going to do what he thought he was going to do, and then he does. Give us a, a little synopsis. Well, he, he saw right away <coughs> rev revolution. He, <laughs> you know, it just, it just, that's what he pictured. And he thought, well, you know, it, 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 there were lots of sort of uh, fortuitous things that came together. He, he thought of the Russian Revolution, because it's his experience. He, he, he referred to the many monuments. He uses the word monument a lot, actually, uh, that stand in Russia depicting the Marines and marine things and, and also uh, constructivist period of art. Right. Yes. Yeah. I was going to ask you to talk yeah. about that a little later. So anyway, Yuri thinks on all the levels. He thinks of the music, he thinks the story, he thinks about it as art, including the elements mm -hmm. like the, the, the painting, the film, the scenic, the, the actual construction of the set, and what can those three-dimensional pieces add. In this case, it's a boat. And it, it's just remarkable. They, Chris and his team built a model of it for us in the studio. It's big, and it had to move around, and the dancers have to move it. And I don't think Yuri could have created it unless we had that, that mock-up to work with in the studio and in the process. We have to get it to a certain place in a, within a certain time so that they can begin dancing at the right time, all that kind of thing. On cue. You, there's yeah. <laughs> and, and the second element that was so wonderful is that he thought of Lorena Fejo as the lead person in the story, the only woman in the ballet. If you have seen it, you know. If you haven't, the... Um, Marines on the ship um, are facing war of some sort, battles are coming, and uh, in the midst of their, their sailor dance, uh, the music gets really quiet and really feminine, it's so lovely, and Lorena descends the stairs really quietly but with utter confidence and walks along across the stage and hands uh, a document to the captain. And it says that she is the new commissary, she's in charge. And so the, the ship divides, uh, the men kind of divide themselves among the, the, uh, the loyalists to her, to, the, to her, including the captain and the anarchists who don't think that a woman's place is running a ship. So that's really the basis of the story. And it's important and it's good to know because you don't want to watch something and be confused. So you should read the program notes and know. But I'd like to say that, in a way, first and foremost, Yuri makes a dance. And the dancing and, the, and what he did with the structure and interpreting the music is, is maybe the most important part, at least to me. Thank you. That really puts, puts it in context, I think. Um, I was holding off on showing the slides because I did want us to have a little sense of this. I think it's a little bit of an unusual subject matter. To, it just, in our 
in our world. Yeah, um, but it perhaps. is a true story. I mean, yeah. it, it has yeah. happened, like Yuri says, it's not just about one particular <laughs> revolution. It's many times, and many times the woman has been, if not the one in, in charge, she's been the one who actually made things happen. So, and I couldn't mm -hmm. think of a more perfect person to portray that than Lorena. And tonight, making her debut in the role is Yuan Yuan Tan, another force of nature. Oh, yes. Well, let's look at the images that we've put together. Um, we've already heard how there is this important set piece that had to be built for rehearsal purposes, and I want to know a little bit more about that in a minute from Chris. And then here we see um, a shot that was taken um, of, I believe it was a technical rehearsal probably, but um, that shows this piece. And then um, you will notice that projections, which, are, which seem to be a, a device that Yuri uses frequently. And um, so he's, films, and the use of film. So between projection and film. And um, <clears throat> there you have uh, Lorena, and she's being maneuvered. <laughs> And uh, another of the production shots, and you see how the, this piece has moved into a different con uh, configuration, which I think is just the fascinating thing about it. Um, I may have one more picture. I think that's the concluding picture, uh, which shows another aspect of the ensemble and the film and the projections in the back and the set piece. So at this point, um, Chris, could we move to you and your other hat? <laughs> the other hat is the lighting designer, but you are working in collaboration with the set designer, um, Alexander Nichols, and putting, and this is where I want you to help us, um, Yuri's, Yuri's vision together and question or the image that comes to me is chicken and egg. <laughs> does the set piece emerge and Yuri choreograph or does Yuri choreograph and you produce a set piece or some combination of that? Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a combination. I mean, just so you know, uh, Alex Nichols, who couldn't be here tonight, and myself and Yuri, this is our third collaboration together because huh. mm -hmm. we did Raku first and then we did Francesca de Romini and then this is the third collaboration that I have with them. Uh, Alex has worked with um, Yuri on other productions as well, like Swimmer yeah. and, and other projects outside of the San Francisco Ballet. So um, there's, a, there's a language and an understanding that we've developed as artists and collaborators with Yuri so in this particular instance, uh, with Optimistic Tragedy, um, as Anita said, uh, there was a moment in Yuri's mind where, of course, when he heard the music, it wasn't quite what he thought it was going to be. And then conceptually had to rethink his, his ideas. And so uh, him and Alex actually met outside of me to start to discover what uh, this could potentially be. And uh, he was obviously influenced by um, the movie Optimistic Tragedy. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I think it's uh, Battleship Potemkin or... Potemkin, Pot Pot yeah, yeah. Right. a 1925. And so uh, the movie film. and the images from, from, <coughs> from those two movies uh, really resonated with Yuri. And so 
when him and Alex met, um, what evolved was uh, that the ballet needed to take place on, on a ship. Uh, and so the trick was, how do we create that? So Yuri says, oh, we need a boat, we need a boat. And you know, of course you think, well, how are we gonna have a boat on stage and how's that gonna work? And I, I believe in their conversations and their level of communication and looking at some of the imagery that Yuri was drawn to, you could see the sort of uh, inner structures of uh, the old battleships with the staircases and, and the railings and, and how these individuals maneuvered around a ship. And I believe that helped uh, inspire Alex to create um, what he believes to be uh, you know, some semblance of a ship. So in its opening look, you have these four staircases that um, that are nestled together to look like the front uh, of, of, a, of a vessel, of a ship. Uh, and when you see the production, you'll notice that level of structure and the men who are standing on it in a very sort of patriotic type Is this way. A, yeah, exactly. A, so, um, so the structure of the set was to, uh, to give that sense because, you know, in contemporary dance, you know, a lot of times there is no scenic elements, and if you are going to provide scenic elements, you don't want it to um, overpower the dance or uh, dwarf the dancers on stage. So it needed to be the the right uh, scale so that uh, the dancers could still be the centerpiece of the ballet, but yet um, the set pieces, uh, and in this case the stairs, uh, were functional enough to create uh, or help create a space, but yet then be pulled apart in different ways so that you felt like you were, at, you were probably on different parts of the ship. And so these four staircases uh, were created that, that get manipulated during the production and, and are set in different areas and used uh, in different areas of the ship. And then with the video imagery, uh, that works in collaboration. So you'll notice certain things happening and you'll see the dancers doing something that are that's similar to to the imagery in the video uh, that really helps set the environment for, for this ballet. There's been uh, quite a bit of chatter about this, this set piece that pulls apart these staircases and the dancers actually maneuver it. Yes, so and the dancers... Kind of uh, space age sounding. <laughs> well, it's yes and no. I mean, it was important <laughs> for Yuri uh, to have the dancers move the scenery uh, as part of their choreographic, um, part of the choreography. So from a design perspective, uh, it needed to be designed um, so that it was simple to move uh, and safe to move. So um, our scenic team uh, was uh, very instrumental in, in being part of that process. And uh, we invested in what we call uh, air casters. And these, these are built into the set um, and you can't see them, but um, what happens is there's a little switch on every staircase and the, um, the switch allows the air to, uh, 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 to help the casters um, rise up and fall down, rise up and fall down. So when the dancers need to move the stairs, they hit the switch and there's a slight little noise and the casters raise up and then they can move it anywhere and it needs to be able to move really simple. Uh, really easily on the floor, and then when they get to their position, they hit the switch again, and the caster, the air releases, and the casters 
uh, sort of collapse, and then the set, or in this case the stairs, are now stable for them to maneuver. Because if we didn't do something of that nature, then they'd be running on the stairs, and the stairs would be moving, and then it would just be a complete safety issue on our hands. <laughs> so it was, it was a really um, interesting design, but we had to figure out how can we make the stairs uh, maneuver easily on stage, but yet still safe for the dancers to crawl and dance and take their weight up and down. So there was some engineering involved, and the team did a great job of putting something together. And, and so what was, what was crucial to Yuri's process was that before we could actually um, get to the point where you see the set on stage, we did construct um, a mock-up which is made out of wood, um, which you'll see now in the screen. And that, so we built that, and then we, uh, it, it was brought to the studio and set up so he could work with it to figure out exactly how they were gonna be used. Uh, we built four of them. At the time, he wasn't certain whether he needed four. He thought maybe only two. And for a while, he only used two, I think, in rehearsal. And then I said, I, I said to Yuri, we really need to know before we build all, all like, are you only going to use two? Are you going to use three? Because, you know, if we only need to build two, then that's what we'll do. And then he said, no, I'll, I'll, make, you, I'll make good use of four. So we built all four of them. And um, there you go. <laughs> so, Anita, over to you. Here we are in the studio with this. Um, I'm, I would love to have been a fly on the wall to watch Yuri demonstrate or describe to his dancers what he wanted to do on the structure. You know, the one thing that is so lovely to talk about him is that this group of guys will do anything for Yuri. They actually say that. That's a quote at the cast party. It was, it was one of the lead dancers in the piece said, I'd do anything for that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they really are. They're like a, a, a community, you know, because most of these guys have done Raku, certainly Swimmer, and now this one. And they know how he works. They know that it's going to be really fun. The mu movement is going to feel fabulous. It's going to be exciting. They're going to look great. They're going to be they're going to wear great things, no matter what it is. They're going to, you know, this is going to be fun. And Yuri's a lot of fun in the studio. So if he asked them to move this heavy piece of wooden furniture, they just did it. It, it was on wheels. Yeah. It was yeah. not so hard. And it was fun for them. It was challenging. Sailors move things. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so it, it all made sense. They had little wedges, I think, to anchor yeah. it in place in the yeah. studio. They didn't have the hydraulics. Mm. So, and then, you know, standing up on the ship, I think they just, they just had a ball. That sounds just great. Yeah. Great. Well, it certainly is effective. I hope that knowing how all of this trickiness works is not spoiling it for you when you see the production. Um, we have maybe a few more minutes for conversation before we invite our folks to ask questions. Be thinking of questions that you might have and, um, make your way over to the center mic as we're moving ahead here. Um, the, uh, I, I have some curiosity about the films, about the projections, and then specifically your work, the lighting, and how you are called upon to fill in that aspect of the magic. Uh, so, as far as the, I, I could speak a little bit on behalf of Alex and the video. Uh, like I said, there was a, a lot of imagery from these movies that um, uh, inspired Yuri. And uh, I know 
uh, Yuri and Alex meant on numerous occasions to kind of view things. And I also know uh, there was um, imagery that Alex started to um, look for um, and would produce for Yuri to take a look at to see if any of these images um, felt like the way he envisioned uh, the ballet to look like. So, um, so the two of them spent a great deal of time uh, outside of myself, just uh, kind of almost storyboarding mm -hmm. the actual imagery that was going to be projected, um, which, uh, you know, which as a video designer, uh, what's great is you have an opportunity to see what this is going to look like on your computer. Uh, by the time I get into the mix from a lighting design point of view, uh, you know, Yuri and I had a conversation and Yuri, because he was inspired by these films, which were black and white, he was very, very specific that he said he wanted the stage to look film noir. It needed to look black and white. And he didn't want to see color uh, by any stretch. It needed to look like a movie. And he was extremely clear. That was the one direction uh, that he gave me. And of course, Mark Sapone, who is the costume designer um, who created these wonderful costumes, uh, also in the same vein of black and white, created these lovely sailor costumes that you'll see um, that are all black and white. So we definitely had this palette that we needed to conform to uh, as far as Yuri was concerned. He was not interested in seeing anything else but black and white. And so from a lighting design perspective, um, I spent some time just trying to uh, make sure in my choice of uh, color, which of course he didn't want to see, but I needed to think about how I can help uh, make sure that, uh, that it does look black and, right, black and white on stage and, um, and not turn the costumes, not turn the black costumes brown or the white costumes yellow um, and really give that feel. So that was really my big task in all of this. And then when we got to our technical or what we call our queuing session, uh, I mean, we, we, we had about maybe four to five hours to put it all together uh, with video, staging, and lighting uh, for the first time before dancers got on stage. And then once the dancers got on stage, then we were able to just start to kind of go through the technical process to, to actually see how, how it's all kind of working together. Mm -hmm. I'm imagining that being a, in a academic setting, an assignment, light a piece that is only black and white and make it alive. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, I mean, it, it's, it's definitely a challenge <laughs> because uh, once again, you, you know, any, any color would just uh, not lend itself to the story that he was trying to tell. And after watching a little bit of the footage and the video stuff that um, Alex had put together, um, and spending some time with um, some of the team backstage and playing with color and just looking at how some colors uh, react differently to skin tone and the costumes, uh, I was able to put together a color palette that um, really lent itself to the nature of this ballet. And Yuri was extremely happy with it. Fantastic. Um, one last question for you all, and that is, Say, it's very important for the, the context, I think, and the feel. We're talking about going back to this silent film, black and white. 
palette to the artistic look of it, which really is um, very, um, employs this whole constructivist movement in art. And I kind of sort of remember learning about that once, but it's not something we see so much nowadays. So can one of you fill me in um, in that little chapter of art history? Um, constructivist, the constructivist style had to do with geometric shapes and solid shapes. Yeah, I think you have that right. I, I'm no expert at all, but I think it comes from industrialization and, and then the further and further um, continuing of uh, the world to, to build and to make huge, bigger and bigger and uh, heavier and more mass, you know, things like big bridges and huge buildings. And, and all, you know, there's always a, always a tendency not to repeat the past and you know that mm -hmm. and artists do that they like to get down to the elemental like not what is it supposed to remind you of not what is it supposed to what what poetry is it uh, about it's not it's about itself it's mm -hmm. about the structure mm -hmm. and I think that's what I understand and I, I guess to continue with that I mean just visually the imagery um, that Alex put together uh, with Yuri's blessing, uh, the lighting, you know, other words that Yuri used was very cold and, and harsh lighting as well. Um, so there was, there's nothing, um, although it's very effective and it has its moments, um, it's, it's not soft and warm by any stretch of the imagination. It really, you know, your eyes glued to the stage yeah. and, and the intention was to really capture you in that sort of uh, way. And, and uh, what we tried to do was define a space within the theater uh, in terms of its structure and its, uh, the, how clean it looks and, and, and the set and the projection. It's just, it's very clean and cold and black and white and, mm. you know, just, it's very conceptual that way. I think we've got, we've got the sense. Yeah. Questions now. Has anyone prepared a question? And could you step down to the mic, please, um, to reiterate that does enable us to hear the question, and it's captured for the podcast. <clears throat> Thank you. I'm curious about what you were talking about with the lighting. It sounds like you have to have the dancers on stage in costume is that correct? Uh, definitely. There's, um, during the first um, four hours in what we call our lighting cue session, we have the scenery and we have the costumes, but we don't have the dancers because we're working as early as 8 a.m. in the morning to set that part of the ballet. So we will uh, enlist our fabulous Bravo volunteers who come in and act as light walkers. And sometimes uh, we'll ask them to hold some of the costumes and we'll stage them around the stage where we know the dancers are going to be. So we have a, some idea of how the lighting would impact the dancer on the stage. And so they work with us for that first four or five hours of the day, which really helps the designers get a visual sense and even the choreographer a visual sense of what it'll look like before the dancers come. So by the time the dancers are on stage, we have a sense of what they're going to look like in the light. How late in that pro how late is it in the process? I mean, it's like, it's like 
three, four days before. Yeah, it's, sounds, it's the last element it of... It sounds late. Yeah, it, <laughs> Thank it is. you so much. You're Thank welcome. You. Thank you. That's a great question. Uh, does someone else have a question for us? Yeah, hi. Uh, kind of a revelation, uh, what this suggests about the relationship between uh, the choreographer, or in this case, Yuri, and uh, uh, the composer, or in this case, somebody who he's worked with a lot before. Uh, and so is the implication that Yuri did not go to him and say, I have a ballet of this type or this theme, in mind and can you compose me something that would fit that uh, and instead did you just go and say hey send me some music and uh, I'll, I'll work with it and to what extent is this the usual paradigm of such a relationship and what not? Great question. Anita do you want to work at that one? I'll take a stab. Um, well you know there there are there are adjectives that, that can mean a lot of things. And I think Yuri used the word uh, emotional, uh, stirring, uh, sweeping. You know, uh, he didn't want a polite score. He wasn't looking for Mozart um, at all. And, and I think I read this actually in the interview in the, in the magazine. The, uh, the composer interpreted what, what Yuri wanted in the way that he sees those adjectives, I think. I don't think he's, he didn't see revolution. Yuri saw it right. and then and told the composer, this is what I see in your music. And, and he kind of had a revelation. <laughs> yeah, now I see it too. It, it's just, just worked that way. Of course, and they're, they're not collaborating on a weekly basis or like it, when Shinji from our orchestra did Raku, they could talk all the time and he could get little bits and sound bites delivered to him on a CD. But this was not the case. I think the whole piece was really done before Yuri heard it. And that has to do with logistics and distance, I think, as much mm -hmm. as anything else. And a very busy man, probably. So I think... Um, Yuri just took the ball and ran with it. Yeah, I think this is not a typical paradigm. That's no, it, I think it is not typical. But um, just as a historical example, when uh, Petipa was commissioning the music for um, oh, The Sleeping Beauty or Nutcracker from Tchaikovsky, he outlined every phrase of eight counts for a three-hour ballet and said, I need 12 counts of this, and then I need the drums to indicate that a cannon has been fired. And um, anyway, there's, there, it's an old model of the, com of the choreographer giving the composer note-by-note -note instructions. Mm -hmm. So there's a wide uh, continuum of styles. That, and this one is, well, it turned out okay. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah very interesting. Yeah. Thanks together. very much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, one more. <clears throat> when these ballets repeat in repertory, um, are they always staged exactly the same, with the same makeup, the same costumes? And do you store all of that stuff? And how do you record it? Um, that's a good question. And, uh, you know, with the different departments that uh, help put 
uh, everything you see on stage. Everybody's responsible for documenting um, a lot of what you see on stage. Uh, some of that is through photography. Um, some of that is just grabbing a tape measure and measuring where that staircase is in relationship to center center or downstage center. Um, so there's a, a various ways that everything gets documented. Uh, the idea is that um, the documentation allows us to then uh, uh, replicate the ballet again the way it was intended to the very first time. And um, generally they come back the same, but uh, the, one of the neat things about working in repertoire and when something comes back, um, especially when you have like an in-house choreographer like Yuri, you know, it's an opportunity to kind of revisit something that you've done. It's a rare opportunity. Uh, I've always been taught you actually never finish a ballet. You just have to stop uh, because you're now, because of time. <laughs> and so when we come back, sometimes there's new thoughts and new ideas, but the intention is always to restore it um, to its uh, true self from when it was first commissioned because we generally have less time. And uh, we have a warehouse here in San Francisco where everything is kept and stored uh, properly and labeled and managed by a, a huge group of people so that if and when a ballet needs to be returned, we go to our warehouse, we pull it out and double check it all and truck it here to the opera house. <laughs> thank you, You're welcome. good question. Well, that does bring us right to the end of our time. I wanna thank you all. I know you're going to be very stimulated and enjoy this performance. I wanna thank Anita Pachotti and Christopher Dennis for contributing to this great discussion. Thank you.